0: everybody. Uh, back with us again tonight is uh, Seth Gruber, who's our guest. And we really wanted to take time to cover some insane statements by some very heavyweight evangelical pastors in the country that have said some things that are troubling. And these are folks that, you know, carry the water for the evangelical community. Uh, and two in particular we want to focus on tonight is John Piper and Andy Stanley. Now as you know last night we did cover a little bit about what Andy Stanley wrote in the Atlantic, but Seth and I are going to also take a look at what John Piper has written and we want to address these issues because they are misguiding an entire generation of Christian followers with ideas that are really not biblical. This is this is problematic. And uh, folks, you need to really pay attention. You have to be prepared in season and out of season. This is this is information that's critical, especially for the next generation. That as they're laying out this foundation for folks to follow, it is a foundation that is not grounded on biblical truth. And in addition, I wanted to say that it is problematic to this country. Uh, I'm, I'm troubled by it. And, and also to note, John Piper, his organizations through other organizations is funded by George Soros. And if you doubt that, just do your own research, take a look at it, go on the internet and see the ancillary organizations that George Soros funds. And that money not only goes to Tim Keller, but it also goes to John Piper. I haven't confirmed with Andy Stanley, but I'm pretty sure that if we do a little more homework, we'll find that to be true. This is political, even though they're stating it's not. It is completely political. And again, uh, their idea is they want to keep Christians out of the public square, the ecclesia, which in Matthew 16, Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my public square, my ecclesia. That's where he wants us to be, to formulate these legislative principles that would point people to Christ, keep them safe until faith comes, Galatians 3. And so we're going to take a look at these two articles. Uh, Last night we read not all of Andy Stanley's article, but we are going to conclude with the rest of it. And then, Seth, you've got uh, an article that uh, John Piper wrote. And I I think we want to start tonight with that. Um, You go ahead and cover that. And so I want to welcome uh, my dear friend, my brother in Christ, uh, a, a staunch supporter, protector, defender, and advocate for the unborn he is uh, tireless in that. And I wish there were more people like him, but that number's growing. And so is the understanding of the critical nature within Christendom that this has to be an issue at the very front of it all. And so please welcome my special guest, Seth Gruber. Welcome,
1: man. Amen. Thank you, brother. Back yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I, I, as I said in the opening, I want us to cover this John Piper article. So yeah. why don't you just jump into it, and we've got our little things here yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. to read from, and
1: yeah, yeah. go ahead and read it. Yeah, so I mentioned this on November 1st when you had me preach at God Speak uh, the last Sunday, of course, before the election, and I made this point because it kind of fits into a larger narrative that we're seeing amongst, amongst a lot of young people, particularly in my generation. So a few years out of college, uh, been in the professional world for, world for a while, maybe involved in church, but they're not sitting under sort of faithful teaching, they're not sitting under teaching from Christian leaders and pastors who are more concerned with truth, they're more concerned with how they're gonna be judged as pastors and leaders. Culturally relevant. That's right, who are gonna be held to a far higher standard, which is I'm sure something that humbles you every morning you wake up. I mean, it's like, whoa, like I I am going to be judged in a much more serious manner than just, uh, you know, the lay people at my church who just volunteer with Jews. I mean, like I'm teaching the word of God. I'm going to be held more accountable. And I think more and more churches are continuing to just stray away from, stay away from, avoid issues that might cause them to, that might cause the culture to put a partisan label onto them. I think some of them, they really do want to ensure that they're not putting anything above the gospel that they're not prioritizing or creating a hierarchy of anything above the gospel. And I appreciate that heart, but I think it leads I think it leads to bad places. I think it's misguided. Because they become so afraid of that partisan label that they'll stay away from an issue that they know is not political, but that the culture tells them is political in in order for them to say, we're not political, we're about the gospel. But also
0: point out too that they've truncated the gospel. They've made it myopic. That's right. Their idea of the gospel is something that isn't going to be offensive. Uh, the gospel's offensive. That's right. Truth is offensive. That's right. And and Jesus said I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. We that's don't right. we don't seek to be offensive by being uh, for its own sake. Well, yeah, we, we by being caustic and mean right. and but if we stand upon a principle that is unwavering that's right. and people find that offensive, that that's not because we've acted yeah. in that manner. It's because they don't they they've exchanged the truth for a lie. Yeah. So, um, that you know if you want to talk about seeker-sensitive and the ability to build a church, um, Christ would not be the model for that. Yeah. The things he said, people peeled off. Yeah, you know, they yeah. bailed out like the 101st Airborne. This is hard teaching. Division. I'm out of here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out of here. 101st yeah. Airborne. I'm bailing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let, let's jump into this yeah, article yeah, yeah. because you re, you referred to it in the sermon. Yeah. But let's go into depth with yeah. it. And then we'll, we'll also cover Andy Stains because these are yeah. two folks that, you know, they say they're not political, but they're in the forefront of driving a narrative. Yeah that is, is creating a wedge within Christendom and trying to appeal to a younger generation That's by right. appeasement, which he, these aren't issues you can compromise on. That's right. So yeah. take, take it over. Run yeah, it.
1: and this will be good, too, because I've, I've, I think the people watching and I think myself would really appreciate sort of your pastoral commentary on this oh, as well. Oh, okay. But know, we'll, uh, we'll provide the moral and, and sort of spiritual commentary here. But the premise of John Piper's article, if, if I were to summarize it down to one sentence, is this. Pride might be morally equivalent to killing a million babies a year. Hmm. Because, Rob, pride ultimately also leads to death. Just like abortion leads to the immediate limb tearing and death of one million image bearers every year. They both lead to death because all sin leads to death eventually. So maybe... The wages of sin is death. Maybe we should just opt out of the political process, Pastor Rob, because, you know, both parties and politicians are sinful. That's kind of the premise of his article. So here's some of the things he says. He says, Christians communicate a falsehood to unbelievers... When we act as if policies and laws that protect life and freedom are more precious than being a certain kind of person. The church is paying dearly and will continue to pay for our communicating this falsehood year after year. The justifications for ranking the destructive effects of persons below the destructive effects of policies ring hollow. So he's saying both of these things are destructive. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) right. He's saying both of these things are destructive. Mm. And and, and so if we're creating a moral hierarchy of sins, those that we'll focus on to the expense of others or certain sins that we'll accept within an individual or a policy because of a greater good, then that's misleading and that's an affront to the gospel. And the point he's making in his article is that Christians' willingness— to go along with Trump's personal sins, which maybe are a little bit more obvious to the American public than Barack Obama or Joe Biden's sins, right, they, they never said the quiet part out loud. Trump always says a quiet part out loud. We both know that Barack <clears> Obama <throat> was not a was not a very morally upright individual. You're weaponizing the IRS to go after his political opponents, forcing Catholic nuns to pay for abortion inducing drugs in their health care plans. But he had the appearance of unity. He had the appearance wait, 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 of bipartisanship. Wait, wait, wait. What,
0: what about when he dropped the mic and he said, at least I'll go down in history as being president of the United States? <laughs> that's that, right. That's that right. wasn't prideful. Right, exactly. No, exactly. Of, yeah. So
1: so the, these, these critiques, of course, seem to always come against those who identify as conservative and never against those Christians, perhaps, who willingly, excitedly voted for Barack Obama, right? And, and so and so, the fact that we never got these kind of art- articles from John Piper prior to a Trump presidency, I think kind of gives away the game. Yep. It's like, well, now suddenly you're concerned about personal sins in high places. Yep. Well, where were your articles about Barack Obama's blatantly personal, obvious sins, such as anti-Catholic bigotry, right? And no respect for the rule of law with all of his executive orders. Well, so th- th- you th- never w- seen He wouldn't that.
0: have received any checks. <laughs> that's that's
1: right. Go ahead. Yeah. So that's, that's, you see, that's sort of the premise of his article. Now we would say, and I know we would agree with that, We would say, uh, yes, all sins eventually lead to death. That is right. But nobody thinks all sins are equal. Nobody believes that. And people will say that. You'll hear that saying in the church sometimes. All sins are equal. You know, all sins are going to lead us to hell unless we repent and turn to God. Yes, but that doesn't mean that stealing a pencil is morally equivalent to beating your wife, right? doesn't mean that stealing a chocolate bar at the lunch hour is the same as killing a human baby in their mother's womb. Yeah. Obviously, these, these things are not equal, even though they all demand repentance from the sort of the salvation history standpoint. And so he's saying Trump's personal sins, we have to disengage because otherwise we're communicating a falsehood to unbelievers when we act as if policies and laws that protect life and freedom are more precious than being a certain kind of person. And Trump just isn't being that certain kind of person that we should expect or demand. And so even though there's only two options and not voting for the pro-life president is essentially casting a vote for the pro-abortion party and president by removing the vote that would have helped the pro-life president win, it doesn't matter because I can't tie myself to anything that's partisan. What do you say to
0: that? It's just absolutely insane. Really what they're saying is by, by their unwillingness to engage, they don't understand the currency in politics and so they're aiding and abetting the destruction of human life by pretzel-like theology right. to, to defend their position of, of inactivity right. and, it, and, it's, and it's virtue signaling, it's moral pietism. That, that they're telling everyone out there, I can stand upon my defense of the gospel, right. which I don't even know what you're describing when you say the defense of the gospel. Your gospel is truncated and myopic if it permits the destruction of of, of the unborn, mm-hmm. especially looking at the entirety of Scripture, that, that you, you look at the entire life of Christ. It right. is even covered while he's in the womb, his name is used. Right. As, as Mary comes into contact with Elizabeth and, and John leaps in the womb, right. uh, they're both called by name. Yeah, we yeah. know that they're children, and we recognize them in the, as the Messiah delivered right. and conceived, and we know the entire pattern of that. But in his theological justification of pretzeling himself to somehow be culturally relevant, he, he, he equates... The pride of a president right. with the murder of an unborn child. Yep. Are you kidding me? You're supposed to be the leader, That's right. the evangelical leader. This, this is what people follow. This is where you find your strength. This is what young people are to
1: emulate. Right. And somehow you find yourself to be morally yeah. superior. Yeah. And this I, is coming from a pastor who's been one of the known as one of the most pro-life pastors in the country, right? At least, at least. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Time out, time out, time out. He may verbally
0: state himself to be that, right. but he resides in a state and a city right, right. that is the most de- awful. Yeah. It, I want to say pro-choice, but I hate that word. Yeah, yeah. They are they destroy more children in the city in which his church resides, and that state is is so supportive of a, of mm-hmm. abortion and their elected leaders. Yeah. And he is he's had a hand in that.
1: Right. That's, that's his community. That's, he, he's the gatekeeper. But Pastor Rob, what if some people don't come to his church? If he encourages men and women in the church to run for office, to promote their faith and promote righteousness in the public square through policies that honor God. I mean, you know, some people might not come to his church if he does that and tries to seek the good of the city where he finds himself in exile. Yeah.
0: Just, just, it's like, it's like sending everyone to church and, and, and giving them medication so they have no emotion and no feeling. Yeah. You don't, you don't, don't, don't do any of that. Just this is all we do. Just uh, forget about the world outside. You have no effect on that.
1: And you know, I think the point I made on November 1st too, when I I had the honor to to hang out and preach at Godspeak was that we all know, we all know at a self-evident moral reflex level that if John Piper was living in the 1850s, with all of his moral clarity on slavery that he conveniently possesses in 2020 because as C.S. Lewis says, uh, we possess a sort of chronological snobbery, right? We we reside in 2020 and we look down on those from the 1850s like Tim Keller has in previous articles and goes, Oh, my gosh, what what moral degenerates. Oh, yeah. They were Christians. They, they couldn't have been Christians. Oh, and if they were, I don't know what kind of Christ they were preaching for living in an in America where slavery was legal as they pontificated about loving the Lord but refused to vote for what party? Oh, yeah, the Republican Party because that was the only viable political option you had to end slavery. They will look down their nose at those people and say, how could you live in that America? And we sit here with our brothers and sisters and we scratch our head and we go, but... But, 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 but John, Tim, abortion's wrong for the same reasons. Andy. Yep, it's wrong for the same reasons. It denies personhood yep. to image bearers of God, while dehumanizing them in order to justify their mistreatment to the public. They're wrong for the same exact reasons. Yep. Now, one could actually make the case that abortion is significantly—it's it's a higher moral evil than slavery because while slavery enslaved human beings and treated them like property. Abortion just murders your property. It's actually a human being, but you call it your property. Yeah. I would rather be enslaved than be murdered. Okay, now, right. <laughs> now I'm not saying that slavery was eh, therefore not that big of a deal. It's one of the greatest stains on our country. Abortion is a greater stain on our country than slavery. Absolutely. Um, hasn't been legal as long as slavery was legal, um, or at least from when we abolished slavery to when we had the, the Civil Rights me, Act let about let 100 me, years. Let, so let me let state this. We're 48 I want, years into abortion, but still. Yeah,
0: I want to state this for those who, who heard me say what I just said. Sure. Slavery was heinous, awful, and evil, and and two percent of our nation's population died on a field of battle to mm. end it. Yeah. Um, it, it. This was this was a cancer in our nation, one that to this day still adversely affects the psyche of our nation. Mm. There's there's still work to be done. The uh, black Americans have been the political pawns of both the Republican and Democratic parties mm. throughout the history of the nation. All of that is evident. And I don't dismiss the misery and the atrocity yeah. of, of of slavery in the history of this nation. But I will say, unequivocally, that the murder of almost, I think, what, 70 million babies? babies—that's uh, That has exceeded... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and hard to believe that you can exceed that kind of evil of slavery right. and yet we've managed to do it right. with seventy million murdered children. That's right. Yep. And the church is silent as you know, and and it's always the ones that are considered conspiracy theorists or fringe. You have um uh, uh uh Beecher Stowe, you know, standing in, in opposition to slavery as an mm. abolitionist. Right. And and they're all mocked and ridiculed. Yeah. And they're, they're made out to be, you know, just lunatics. Right. But yet they, they change the course of a nation. Right.
1: And, uh, <clears throat> and then the same pastors and leaders who are now silent on our genocide, on our Holocaust, on our systemic discrimination, will then look at those people, elevate them, and say, we have something to learn from them. <laughs> right? Yeah. You'll have pastors all over the country who have never preached a sermon on abortion in their entire life. They've never given the local pregnancy resource center any time or attention in their local community to encourage them, to give to them, to encourage their congregants to give to them. They've never had a pro-life speaker like myself in. And yet they'll hold up Eric Metaxas' book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer and say, brothers and sisters, boy, this was moving. This convicted me. You've really got to read this. And And it's like, brother, brother, those words that Bonhoeffer was saying to German churches and Christians, they're for you, dude. They're for you today. Because you're just as silent on our Holocaust as... The majority of German churches were on theirs. When we address the issue that abortion has exceeded
0: the travesty and the misery of slavery, the the facts don't lie. More black human beings have died. Yeah. Have died from abortion than died
1: from slavery. That's right.
0: That's hard to imagine. Yeah. But yeah, not, not,
1: not humans in general, specifically black people. Black,
0: black people. Yep. They have more have died. And not just more, exponentially more. Oh, yeah. In the, the tens of millions yeah. have died.
1: Yeah. 300,000 a year in America alone. Yeah. At least, right? Because it's very hard to track some of the abortions from I don't, the, from I the don't, pill, the abortion pill.
0: I don't know the number, and, and that's, that's work I have to do. I've heard a couple of different uh, facts. Uh, and I'll confirm this in our in our next broadcast, but I don't know the number of total slaves. I knew that the South, I think, at the onset of the war, had a population of nine million, of which four million were slaves. Right. And and we're losing three hundred thousand Black Americans every year. Yeah. yeah. And and that's been going on since nineteen
1: seventy three. Yeah. The the annual ab- abortion rate for black women in America is at least 33%. It's between 33 and 37% according to CDC and other studies. And the annual abortion average is close to a million. It's actually, you'll see from CDC and Guttmacher Institute, you'll see more like high 800,000, low 900,000s. But again, those are conservative estimates. Yeah. They, have to, they have to guesstimate yeah, on the abortions. Yeah, because some states don't report. And who does the most abortions? California, California New York. And, and neither who doesn't report their yeah. abortions? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so they have to guesstimate those. And like I just said, the abortion pill, it's hard to calculate how many abortions yeah. are happening. So we'll go with a conservative average of a million abortions a year, a million babies. So that means over 300,000, 360,000 of them would be black babies. And of course, the black birth rate is nearly flatlined yeah. in America right now. So if you're truly an anti-racist, whatever that means, wouldn't you want more black people in America? Yeah, would. Wouldn't you love diversity? I would well, love well, black America, 13% of the American public, they've stayed that for quite some time now.
0: Yeah. To cover some more of Piper's article, some of the stuff that he brought out. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I, I love the way you're... I mean, his his boat is leaking from all the holes yeah. you've
1: shot in it. So, yeah. And anything else? on Well, that? it's it, it's you know it just it, now that we were just talking about Lincoln, you know, I, I kind of want to go back to Lincoln for a second, and let, then
0: what, when you're doing that, when you're going to him, let me let me.
1: Oh, please Because there do. was stuff
0: that was on my mind in regards to Lincoln.
1: Yeah, you're you're more of a far well, more seasoned I, I, Lincoln I, I, historian I, than I am.
0: I don't know about that, but I do know. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I, I do know that that Lincoln never never professed membership to any church in America. Hmm. I know that. Yeah. He never professed publicly his faith in Christ. Right. So we shouldn't have voted for him. We shouldn't have voted for him. He was never baptized. Wow. Um, his law partner Herndon said he was an atheist. Yeah. Testified to the end of his life that uh, there was no possible way Lincoln could have become a Christian. Hmm.
1: And yet what did he say in the last few seconds of his life?
0: Yeah, he said, I, I, I long to walk with you in the footsteps of our Savior. Go visit the where our Savior walked, which is in the streets of Jerusalem before yeah. he was shot by John Wilkes Booth, but I would also say, you look at his first and second inaugural address, no president has ever covered more scripture.
1: Right, I know. Ever. Yes, so I love what you just said, Pastor Rob. There's this sense within American evangelicalism today that seeks to separate and treat as almost opposed to one another, the Bible and the Constitution. And, And there's this sense within American evangelicalism that you're somehow, you know, creating an idol out of America and your patriotism if you honor and elevate the constitution, not to the same degree as the Bible, of course, but listen, it is the timeless truths in scripture that provided the theological foundation that became the philosophical foundation for the ideals of this republic. And to fail to realize that is just snobbery. It's chronological snobbery, it's historical ignorance, or it's coming out of a hatred for American institutions and ideals. All of our, and speak to this, all of our American founders, nearly all of them, whether they were born again or not, I won't get into, I can't give you the numbers of that, but they were all theists. And they all believed in what we call the Judeo-Christian worldview. So human beings are intrinsically valuable because they bear the image of their maker and therefore rights come from God and so government can't deny or create any extra rights.
0: Real simple. Yep. And, And, And if you look at this idea of Americans having to, to, uh, it, 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 we're watching the evangelical community take offense that we elevate the Constitution to something significant, not equal to Scripture, but certainly elevated mm-hmm. in in works. Right. We can look at the song "Amazing Grace," right, and and with, without question, people will declare that to be in a sense America's spiritual anthem. Right. Right. It, it resonates with every human yeah, heart. Yeah. yeah. You, you look that it, it says the words were by John Newton, melody unknown, but it's obviously in the minor keys. And as they studied it, they realized that that the, the tune itself is a West African sorrow chant hmm. and that, that Newton would hear from the bowels of the ship. Wow. And so you put those together and it resonates with every human heart because yeah. it's mournful. But you also see the grace of God. You see the acknowledgment of sin, yeah. and it and it touches every human heart. When it begins to play, people are moved. Yeah. There's something significant about that song. Right, yeah. Do we dismiss it? Yeah. Is it mm. elevated above other works? Why is it we place value on something? Why not look at the Constitution and say there is a, a handprint? Mm. It, it is it is not perfect. Yeah. But there is a handprint of mm. of understanding of 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 God's
1: Almost a divine handprint.
0: A a divine handprint. Because every work of a master that has Mm. has surpassed the the test of time, you can see the hand of the master in it. That's a great point. And I'm not talking about an earthly master. That's cool, yeah. I'm talking about the hand of God.
1: And you know what I'll say too, Pastor Rob, I'll say that the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, our founding ideals and institutions are the closest natural outgrowth of biblical teachings as we will get and probably ever have gotten in this fallen flesh, in this fallen world. So if you were trying to create an ideal society, the closest thing to a utopia, because we're not going to get there in this world, America would definitely be it, right? And we can make a case for our institutions, for our ideals, and their how they find their roots in the Bible. And so... You know, for those who truly love the word of God, we should be celebrating, honored, humbled over the fact that, that we have found ourselves, right, that God has put us here in this time in human history at, at such an amazing time to be alive, where not only are we called to protect this gift that we've been given, but in protecting it and in promoting it, we're expanding liberty everywhere else. I mean, the amount of impact America has been able to have on the proclamation of the gospel, on missions, on saving the vulnerable, on on saving people who are living under the theocratic or dictatorial thumb of regimes all around the country is because of our founding ideals, which find their theological principles in scripture. I I was listening to a preacher uh, last night that my wife asked me to tune into
0: I won't say his name, uh, he does minister in Arizona. My son has attended his church, just wanting to see, hmm. uh, where is he? Yeah, yeah. And he's he's well-known. Okay. As I listened to his message, there were many things that I was deeply moved by. But again, the one thing, and he falls in line a lot with Piper, mm-hmm. and kind of this reformed uh, realm where, you know, we just preach the gospel, brother. It's almost a dismissal of the right. political world, as though yeah. it has really no significance. God is on the throne, yeah. and and really oh our my. efforts oh are my. feeble yeah. at best. Yeah, uh, that's dangerous. Yeah, and and you're, you're going to use your theology yeah. to justify the, your your apathy and inactivity in the political world, and right. to dismiss it as not important, yeah. and and indoctrinate your congregations the same. And you're you're watching this one great gift of the world of the freedom that America possesses, that was designed and put forward by men who knew the scriptures probably better than any of the pastors that are in these pulpits today. Wow. And and they find their strength in dismissing them. Mm,
1: that's right.
0: And and I always get to that statement. My old, my swim coach used to say, "Any jackass can knock down a barn door, but only a carpenter can build one." Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean. They find their strength in dismissing something far more profound than anything they've ever built. Really, all they can do is plead for money and build a building and get followers. They haven't developed a nation. Nor, nor have they changed the culture.
1: Yeah, because if they were really discipling their people, as we're called to do, right? Great commission is to create disciples, baptizing them, and then disciple disciples. Teach them to obey all that I yeah. have commanded you. There's a word for that. It's called discipleship. Yeah. Right? So if we were discipling disciples in a meaningful manner, they would be making a measurable Impact and difference in the communities that they're living in, and the primary way that we do that in America is through the political sphere. That's not to say that you can't have a massive impact by getting your hands dirty and volunteering at the soup kitchen, volunteering at the pregnancy resource center, absolutely caring for battered women, uh, rescuing women outside of you know strip clubs and trying to get them into Time out. into you know. <laughs> Timeout. That's all downstream. Is that where you're going with it? Yeah. I'm saying there's a lot of wonderful things you can do. But if you don't get people who honor God, love God, and seek the good of the city in positions of influence and power that craft the city, that craft the policies, then we have an example of that. How many Christians have been volunteering and serving in wonderful areas but never gotten the political sphere? So now what do we have? We have 48 years of Roe versus Wade and legalized abortion.
0: Churches fish downstream for the human heartache that they're creating— Because they didn't go upstream That's right. to to change the source. Yep. If not, either are. Yeah. And how do you get homeless? Unbelievable taxation. Right. Limited freedom. Meaning that you, you, you don't pl, pl, uh, uh, apply restraints towards evil in order to pursue excellence. You don't see that that every law is based on morality. Right. You don't understand Galatians 3, that the law is a school teacher to keep us safe and point us to Christ until faith comes and that we contend in that public square. You don't see that 430 years after Abraham believed God and was credited in his righteousness, that God brings the law and three to five million people live together without a police force or a standing army right, because right. they they instructed their children mm-hmm. in the in Uh, Moral knowledge and placed it in the center of their culture, but don't worry We have our colleges to do that now and and but we we don't contend for those Right exactly and we've removed ourselves from the ecclesia. the public square. Yep, and because we've done that We morally justify our position of abdicating our responsibility to the call Christ made. Yep, And we we fish downstream for the human heartache we created. And we call ourselves moral because we're pulling them out of the cesspool and the pond and the misery. The few that we're able to to save while we watch the rest of them. And, and And in that stream of misery come flooding down human body parts that have been ripped apart. And they flood down in this sewage of humanity that we have created because we do not participate in the political process. And, and we drive that is we not drive acceptable. by that
1: sewer filled with dead children and the blood of unborn children running through the sewers of America as we talk about how we love our neighbor and pass by bleeding victims on our way to sermon, on our way to church to prep our sermons, while Planned Parenthood stands in the sewer with a net, capturing all the dead baby body parts to turn around and sell it on the sell black the market. Parts, yeah. And now our uh, allegedly vice president elect was attorney general in California trying to jail pro-life Christians for exposing the illegal federal law-breaking of Planned Parenthood and selling those dead baby body parts on the black market. But don't worry, I'm not political, so I'm not going to talk about that. You know, when you talk about standing downstream and picking up the human heartache that you helped create, I didn't think that this is a statement I would ever say about John Piper four months ago. But I shudder to think about the blood that he might have on his hands. God has given him one of the biggest platforms of any pastor in America. So Pastor Rob, how many Christians do you think who were already on the fence about whether they could vote or not, who had already adopted some of the premises of Christian wokeism, which is that because of my pietism and love for the gospel, I can't support any sinful person that might compromise my witness. People who were already adopting that premise, how many people did he push over the edge and encourage their political apathy mm-hmm. through this article? And in so doing, how many votes were removed from the only reasonable political party situated to protect the unborn and ensure that the most radical pro-abortion political ticket in American history doesn't get into the Oval yeah. Office? Yeah, I shudder to think about that.
0: Let, let, let's add to that. We're, we're, we're now going to a runoff election for two senators that will tip the, the 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 balance of the senate
1: george is on my mind
0: and 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 this is the battle of atlanta yep and and this is this is going to be this is going to be ground zero for the survival of the unborn and liberty writ large and liberty at large and andy stanley based in atlanta yep 36%
1: Yep. So I covered this on my show today yeah. on my podcast, Unaborted with Seth Gruber. According to a Gallup poll from 2014, later covered by the Atlanta uh, Journal- Constitution Journal in 2016, said that this Gallup poll reported that, it, that in 2014, 36 percent of Georgia citizens, of state citizens in Georgia go to church on a weekly basis. And they're in the top 10 states in the country for weekly church, church attendance. attendance. So that's pretty great, that's pretty high. Yeah, you the would second think- lo- And the second largest church in America is Andy and, Stanley's. And many other large megachurches, yeah, right? Know. Probably yeah. in the top 100. Yeah, boom. And you might be an alien, you might be coming to America and being like, wow, look at Georgia. Look at all these people lifting their holy hands and worship every Sunday. I mean, wow. I bet that they have no sex trafficking. They probably don't have any abortions. Oh, no, I mean, this to. is incredible. Look this at, has oh, got to be the presence I mean, of Christ. wow, everyone in a political office must be born again with 36% of the of the state citizens going and, to church on a weekly and, and basis. And don't forget
0: the pastor that publicly uh, sought to shame Charlie Kirk that's also based in Georgia. That's, that's right, yep. Charlie didn't use his name. I won't. Yep. I'd love to, but I'm <laughs> yeah, going to yeah, honor yeah, my yeah, friend. Yeah. That's right. Which is, he's, he's very merciful, Charlie. is Because yep. He he liked Charlie's post. Charlie didn't even
1: say I remember, anything. I it was that. it was
0: just and yeah. this guy's got an enormous church.
1: But he was canceled. He had to apologize. He, he was canceled to apologize, yeah. 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 All right. So, so I mean finish. you would I'm think sorry. that those states would be the ones promoting righteousness the most, and yet these are the type of pastors. Andy Stanley, we talked about last night, he preached a message on systemic racism and the death of George Floyd, which we don't even have to say we believe was wrong. That's just granting a premise to the left that somehow there's some people out there that thought that was okay. Have, but haven't, haven't met one yet. Yep. Yeah, he's preaching a message about this. Why? Because I, I guess it demanded a theological response. There were political happenings in the culture and they were very bombastic and very important. And so they deserved a theological response from a Christian leader to help uh, provide a Christian worldview lens and interpret the culture through that worldview. I guess that's why. So why isn't the political happenings of three black babies every year? uh, That that could end. Yeah, that could end. How is that not systemic racism? How is that not a politically propitious moment that demands a theological and Christian response? And yet, these are the same pastors who basically never preached a message on abortion in their entire pastoral career, or if they have, Pastor Rob, it's been pure milk, right? It's been like, I won't name his name, but a pastor that I sat under, When I went to college, who preached a message my freshman year, I went to college at Westmont. And basically, the premise of his sermon was something like this. Should Christians be engaged in protesting and standing outside of abortion clinics and and just getting that nasty image that's associated with saying, please don't kill your children, we're here to care for them? Or should we be saying, we'll take all the babies? Let's do the second, because we don't want the what? the label of maybe being perceived as partisan. The fear of partisan labels within American evangelicalism is crippling us. It's crippling us. And it's leading to the deaths of more children because of leaders pontificating lies like John Piper or like Andy Stanley, removing ourselves from the very institutions that create the biggest change. Yes, culture is downstream. Uh, Politics is downstream from culture, that is true. But sometimes that's also a two-way street. Right? Do you think that America was ready to abolish slavery? No, they weren't. That's why it took us 100 years before we had full equality before the law enshrined in the law. It took a long time. But Lincoln understood that a political line had to be put in the sand. And it's time for the church to recognize that that political line is not just political, it's also spiritual. And so you have Lincoln here in one of his most powerful lines and statements yeah, in Chicago on July 10th, 1858. And he's talking about pro-slavery arguments, okay? And you're going to see the bearing that this has on abortion. He says, what are these arguments? They are the arguments that kings have made for enslaving the people in all ages of the world. You will find that all these arguments in favor of kingcraft were of this class. They always bestrode the necks of the people. Not that they wanted to do it, but because the people were better off for being ridden. Mm, let's apply that to abortion. Yeah. Pastor Rob you don't want these babies being born into a society or a family where they can't feed them, or maybe yeah. they end up in the foster care system, and so they have a poor quality of born life. So maybe it's better to kill them in the womb, better for being ridden, yeah. better for being killed. He says that is their judgment, and this argument of the judge is the same old serpent that says, you work and I eat, you boil and I will eat. Enjoy the fruits of it. Turn it whatever way you will, whether it come from the mouth of a king, an excuse for enslaving the people of his country, or from the mouth of men of one race as a reason for enslaving the men of another race. It is all the same old serpent. And I hold that if that course of argumentation that is made for convincing the public mind that we should not care about this should be granted, it does not stop with the Negro. I should like to know if taking this old Declaration of Independence, which declares that all men are equal upon principle and making exceptions to it, where it will stop. If one man says it does not mean a negro, why not another say to, why not another say it does not mean some other man? In short, if you ground human equality and human rights in anything other than a human nature which we all share and had from the moment of conception, you destroy human equality. Exactly. So the very equality that these woke progressives are looking for, they're not going to find in the religion of wokeism, in the religion of leftism, because the fundamental principles of that religion, and it is a religion, is. is the denial of objective truth. It's the denial of an objective human nature that holds across time and space. It says that we're endlessly malleable. This is why you have Barack Obama saying the arc of uh, justice, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice, meaning human nature is always endlessly malleable. We can just tinker with it, right? This is this is the idea of political science, that there's some science to the universe. And if we just get the formula right, we will truly achieve a just and equitable society. But the very people instituting these ideals do not believe in objective truth. They don't believe in an objective human nature. So it always becomes might makes right. And so because they don't believe in an objective human nature that holds across time and space, they don't believe in any objective rights that flow from a human nature. Because how could you have objective rights when you don't have an objective existence when they deny that there's such thing as a human nature. So that's why they say that boys can be girls and girls can be boys because the real you is not the person sitting in front of me. The real you is something inside you, how you feel, your emotions. So if you feel like you're a girl but you're a boy, then you're actually a girl. If I look at an unborn human being, baby in the womb, and I say, "But it's not a person," even though that's exactly what racists said about blacks, I'm actually right to say that because personhood and rights. And nature, we all have in common and which began at the moment of con- conception, it comes from our functions and our capacities. Oh, historical blinkers, right? Same thing that Lincoln's saying. These types of arguments always have one thing in common. Yep. It's I put myself above you. you. I design checkboxes that must be met in order to have basic human equality rights, but I get to determine in the checkboxes. And then we get
0: to go to, well, it's undesirable, Yep. but it doesn't fit what I consider valuable. Yeah, yeah, va- that's valuable. Right. So, yeah. I don't want you. I don't want you. Yeah. And and uh, that's why you, you see the person who's going to be in charge of COVID for uh, if if uh, Vice President uh, Biden is is elevated to office, uh, this man uh, advocates for not living past seventy five years of age. I mean, I saw that. Yep. Th- th- they get to decide. Yeah, they they set the standard. They set the standard. Yeah. Forget forget about God's standard. It's it's theirs, and yeah. the elites get to decide for the rest of us. That's right. Uh, I want to read this. Um, Speaking of of Andy Stanley, the article in The Atlantic, he goes on and says, but Stanley also didn't try to claim, as some have, that real evangelicals support Trump. He wouldn't say who he voted for in the past two elections, but he volunteered that he's a conservative guy with conservative values. His wife, Sandra, watches the Five on Fox News, and their family flips back and forth between various cable networks. He's never met the president, but after he uh, told a friend, that his foster daughter is a diehard Trump fan. He received a personalized video from Trump telling her to do her homework. North Point's original campus in Alfreda largely leans Republican. He said he understands Trump's appeal. What he seems to take issue with is the mindset that evangelicals should be all in for Trump because of their faith. It's disappointing, he said. It does not reflect anything in the New Testament, zero. Christians should put their faith filter in front of their political filter. He told me putting one hand in front of the other before his mouth to demonstrate we dare not allow politics to define us as individuals if you're a Jesus follower, he said. But that's hard to keep straight for all of us, I guess. <laughs> Stanley has a theory about why evangelicals were so eager to back Trump both in 16 and 20. Most evangelical traditions, uh, traditions teach that Jesus is going to come back, judge people, and send everyone who doesn't follow him to hell. Unfortunately, he said, there's a group of evangelicals that are so excited about that. He slapped his hands together and rubbed them eagerly, waggling his eyebrows for effect. They can't wait. As evangelicals get older and realize that Jesus is likely not going to return in their lifetimes, they get a little bit desperate, he said, wanting to use policy and legislation uh, to bring the world closer to the time of Jesus' return. That kind of thinking makes you vulnerable when someone comes along and says, by golly, all of your dreams are going to come true. Uh, you know, it's just, it's painful right. that that this is, this is what... What 36% of Georgia's population's being fed? Yep. And 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 our future and the lives of these unborn black children. Right. And these unborn children whose lives matter
1: yeah.
0: are in the balance.
1: Can't, in get in, Atlanta. can't get in the way of your witness.
0: Can't get in the way of your witness. Right. Cannot your 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 political involvement. Right somehow has right. to be disconnected right. from following Christ.
1: You know what's ironic? The, this, this fear of casting your vote for a bombastically prideful individual and that that fear would lead you to disengage from bubbling a little circle that promotes life and could help end the genocide of baby image bearers. Is it self-prideful? Yeah is itself you showing your bombastic pride yeah. and obsession with yourself and how you're perceived. Yeah. But let me make something straight. When people say, I can't vote for President Trump, the most pro-life president in American history, yes, he hasn't done as much as he could have, but guess what, nobody will because they're still not perfect. I don't like that he included funding for Planned Parenthood in a funding bill from the earlier part of his presidency. Okay, yeah, that's fine and we can demand more because we are the sovereign and we should, and we should get even more pro-life people into public office and the church should be encouraging them to run to help end the genocide of baby image yeah. bears, But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to cast a vote for the lesser of two evils, especially when the lesser of that two evils actually has a lot of good things in there. I love what Bill Federer said, and he said at Jack Hibb's church recently, and you've said this before too, the most important thing is to bring people. The second most important thing is to preserve the freedom to do the most important thing. And so it is hilarious to me that out of a desire to avoid partisan labels, many Christians, some of whom I went to college with, actually rationalized a vote, Pastor Rob, for the other party, the democratic party. It's like, well, th- that witness card cuts both ways, brother. Because if you're concerned with your witness by getting involved in politics, there's a whole bunch of secular humanists and pagans out there who have no respect for the bride of Christ because they say and that if that church and if those Christians believe that their Savior entered human history in a womb and that every baby is created in the image of that prenatal Christ, then those Christians would be engaging in the political work yeah. necessary to end and abortion. Yeah. And so because they, they don't, I don't take their witness as credible. So if you want to play the witness card, brother, that works both ways. So at the end yeah. of the day, you have to, Abandon this obsession with your witnesses, with avoiding partisan labels, and simply say, Lord, I am going to seek the good of the city I find myself in. I'm going to promote righteousness and restrain evil insofar as I can and, and leave the results to you. What a, Seth, what is a witness? In a, in a court of law, now neither of us are lawyers, but right, what's right, a right. witness.
0: It's someone who testifies to the truth. Hmm. It's not someone who Amen. compromises the truth. That's right. yeah, yeah. In order to somehow testify to the truth. <laughs> right, right,
1: right. That's what well said. That's not a witness. That's right.
0: That's not a witness. That, yep. That's a hypocrite. That's
1: right. And we can't, we can't manufacture the situation in which people are brought to Christ. That's only the Holy Spirit's job. Yeah. So sometimes I tell these pastors, I'm like, who do you think you are, the Holy Spirit? At the end of the day, you're called to preach truth and you're called to do it graciously and in love. But at the end of the day, if God is sovereign and he's on his throne, then guess what? You get the blessing and opportunity of what? Being used, yeah. of being used. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for using me. But but the results are going to, bring to you, be to you. You bringing conviction of sin, I might be the mouthpiece, but you're watering the soil. You're the one making it happen. And so I'm going to preach truth, even those that are inconvenient, the full counsel of God, and leave the results to you. And yet you got John Piper here saying this, and I'll finish on his line here. He says, I think Roe is an evil decision. Roe versus Wade, legalized abortion in 1973. I think Planned Parenthood is a code name for baby killing, and historically, at least, ethnic cleansing. And then he says, And I think it is baffling and presumptuous to assume that pro-abortion policies kill more people than a culture-saturating pro-self pride. Hmm. Yes, John Piper, abortion policies do kill more people than pride does. In fact, Abby Johnson wrote an article, I think, in uh, one of the Christian journals, and she said, um, excuse me, John Piper, um, pride doesn't kill people, abortion does. (laughs) Now, does that mean that abortionists are not prideful? No, of course they're prideful. So, sure, you can trace all sorts of sins back to pride. Sure, but we're all prideful people. We are. Some of us are a little bit more blatant about it. Some of us hide it a little better. But we're all self-obsessed individuals. We all care about us as number uh, one. No, and
0: I'm, I'm the most humble man I know. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah as was Abraham, I heard, or yeah, Moses. Moses. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most humble man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, you can't, you can't. Uh, you can't create that situation. There, there's no way for us to be able to quantify that. Of that, like, that how much sins can ultimately be p- traced back to pride? And therefore, hmm, therefore pride kills more, more babies than abortion. No, abortion kills people. Pride doesn't. Pride might drive all sorts of sins, but you're still responsible for your decisions. And you can't say, well, it's a sin of pride. I just, I don't know. It just made me do it. No, abortionists kill babies. And if we can vote for policies and people that will help stop killing babies, we should do that.
0: Yeah, agreed. <laughs> This this uh, this process of John Piper, Andy Stanley, um, I got to be careful. I don't want to go through the other list of them. But but here we are, Seth, and and we have a nation that as it is at a crossroad, where a constitutional republic, a form of government that has never been equaled in the six thousand years of recorded history. Right. These pastors have enjoyed this religious freedom because of those who've bled and died to secure it. Right. And they're ushering in the disintegration. The disintegration. And and it is it is very similar. If you think about this, we'll go back to Lincoln. January, I think January 1st of 1863, hmm. he he does the Emancipation Proclamation. Right. Not popular. <laughs> It wasn't popular at all. The North was sickened by it. Whatever popularity he had, it was over. And he was ushering in to to work towards a second term of office that he wasn't going to secure. McClellan was going to win. That Emancipation Proclamation to stand and and to declare to a nation that had been apathetic and inactive... But the South knew what they were fighting for. It was right. in every one of the secession documents that they were going to protect slavery. Every right. one of the Southern states in their secession documents included it. They said it was about yeah, states' yeah, rights. Right. It was about yeah. slavery. Yeah.
1: Would have been political malpractice for a career politician.
0: So so, so Lincoln puts it front and center and makes it the issue. Right. And then uh, coming up to to the birth of the nation, July 4th of 1863, The South, for the first time in the history of the Civil War, invades the North and goes into Pennsylvania. Fascinating that we're dealing with Pennsylvania now. Mm. Goes into Pennsylvania, the Battle of Gettysburg, July 1st to the 3rd. That's right. Largest death toll in American history. Bodies piled up. Right. His popularity rating is plummeting. At Cold Harbor, 7,000 soldiers died in 20 minutes. Every battle is carnage. Two percent of the nation's population. Six hundred and fifty thousand soldiers died. Right. Every family suffered the loss of a father, a son, a friend, a brother. And and now November of sixty-three. Right. He's so despised. They don't even want him speaking anymore. He's not going to get another election. McClellan's going to seal the border this thing's over, right. slaves are just the way it is, deal with it. Right, the constitutional world, right. And the world <laughs> didn't, ha- the, the nation at that point was wavering and didn't have the stomach for the fight. Hmm. And there was blood, they were tired of it, they were exhausted, Yeah. they didn't want it anymore. Even his own state, Illinois, they were done with him. And when it comes time to dedicate the battlefield, in Gettysburg, Right. They don't even want him speaking. <laughs> they bring Edward Everett. He speaks for two hours, bloviates on something. Right. And Lincoln gets up 268 or 272 words. I don't remember what it was, but it was a Gettysburg Address.
1: Yeah. Very short.
0: And again, he clarifies what's at stake. Right. That this will be a new birth of freedom. Yeah. That these, these dead have not died I'm in vain. vain. Yeah. He articulates it. And, and comes off the stage so disappointed and felt it fell flat and didn't resonate. But those words, as God's word doesn't return void, those words echoed even to history, mm. th- throughout history to this day. Yeah. And then, of course, we know that Sherman makes it down to the Battle of Atlanta, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, <laughs> Atlanta. And as a result of that, the tide changes. Yeah. Lincoln gets a second term of office the war ends, slavery is lifted, 14th, 15th Amendment signed. Incredible. The first time in the history of America that the entire house stands up in a standing ovation. Wow. As they finally had just lifted this scourge from the fabric of the nation. Right. And as as compensation for his, his thankless effort, as everyone despised him, was a bullet to the back of his head. Yep. And everyone wants to claim him, though he never held membership to a church, Hmm. never baptized, never publicly professed Christ as his Savior. Wow. And the the Andy Stanleys and the John Pipers of the world would dismiss him, and they would find themselves morally superior. Hmm. And yet...
1: One of the heartbreaking realizations when you study that time and this time particularly then, is that it seems many times politicians like Lincoln have more moral clarity than the clergy on some of these issues. Yeah. And, and you see that moral clarity all over the place, all over Lincoln's writings and his speeches, but you see it in the Battle Hymn of the Republic too. And there's this beautiful line in the Battle Hymn of the Republic. It says, In the beauty of the lilies, Christ Christ was born born across across the the sea. sea. Um, uh, With a glory in in his his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he he died died to make make men holy, let us die to make 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 men men free. And let us live to make men free. Okay, I think, I think it was let us die to make oh. men free. We'll check, we'll check. I'll, well, but you're probably right.
0: You're probably right because... Because it's a battle hymn, but I'm right? But st- I'm
1: standing with Patton who said, don't die for your country, let the poor bastard die for his. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's just some beautiful, obviously, prose, but a, a lot of moral clarity there too. Yeah. And I said this at, at Chino Hills uh, when, when I was honored to have Jack Hibbs invite me to preach, but I said, listen, brothers, sisters, this is not political work we engage in just for political means. It's not that we just do it because we feel like it's the right thing to do. The pro-life positioning of the heart is simply the correct response of the heart to the gospel. I have been saved. I have been loved, so I will love. What does Christ say? Uh, As I have loved you, so love one another. And so Proverbs 31.8 tells us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of the destitute, ensure justice for those being crushed. Abortion literally crushes little humans yeah. and babies in the womb. But we're also those who cannot speak up for ourselves. Apart from Christ's sacrifice on the cross on our behalf that showed us the way back to eternity and offered a free gift of salvation if we would repent turn and turn and choose that gift, we are also those who cannot speak up for ourselves. None of us will stand before God on the j- day of judgment and say, Christ Lord, Lord. <clears throat> look at this, perfect record, baby. Open up the gates of glory. <laughs> I mean, like, we have to have what? In advocate. Yeah. Right. This is what First John tells us, that, we, that, that Christ is our advocate and he pleads our case before the Father. An advocate is someone who speaks up for someone else. So how can we not speak up for the unborn children in our midst who literally cannot speak up for themselves? If we've been spoken up for, when we couldn't vouch for ourselves or speak up for ourselves, if we've been spared eternal death and damnation, how can we not spare babies immediate death and pain of dismemberment that does ruin God's plan for their life? Yep. Yes, God is sovereign, but that doesn't mean that he wants babies to be killed. It doesn't mean that it's his desire that a million image bearers would be killed every year. His plan for those children's life has been spoiled by sin. That That would not be God's desire. That's not what he wants. So responding to the scourge of abortion, the scourge of slavery, which are wrong for the same reasons, ought to just flow out of a heart that's been changed by the gospel. And yet, and yet, Abraham Lincoln and others, who we don't have any tangible evidence of having repented of their sins and turned to Christ, have more moral clarity on these national scourges on our country than our clergy do, and those whom God has given huge platforms to. You want to know,
0: in this age of a pandemic and live streams, where I've heard the 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 clearest presentation of Christ and and His presence, it, more than any church in America was the Republican National Convention the name of Christ was lifted up in the issues dear to his heart more in that convention on television than i have wow. heard from any pulpit in america uh, on every live stream wow and and that's coming from people who are not ordained but are in the arena contending for these issues wow. being bloodied and beaten and putting their lives on the line, and
1: despised by the and church, and
0: despised. You ask any conservative young person, especially a black conservative who is standing for truth, right. the persecution they face in America is far greater than any pastor in any pulpit in America. Oh, amen. Ain't and they're right. contending for their religious freedom yeah. while they're being ridiculed yep. from the pulpits of the popular.
1: Yeah. Or who, the pastors ridicule those wait, involved wait, wait. in the politics.
0: I, I didn't finish this. You're going to like it. <laughs> okay. From the pulpits of the popular who are impotent.
1: That's right. Bam. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Now you can have your Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ahead. No, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's sobering. It really is. That, that you have individuals involved in the political sphere. Not all of them, but many of them because of an awareness of their spiritual duty. Doesn't yeah. mean God calls everyone to run for public office. It just means that they feel that this is a natural outgrowth of their greater spiritual duties. Yep. Christ is still on the throne. Their allegiance is to him. Doesn't mean that they're creating an idol out of politics. And it, anytime we feel that that's happening, we should repent. But, you know, But Our allegiance is to Christ and we seek the good of the city. But the pastors who have despised for these people, while the people they have despised for are trying to work to ensure that the people who despise them can still preach their gospel.
0: It would be wonderful if on this live stream we could have Dietrich Bonhoeffer and we could have William Wilberforce and the Clapham Society sit with these wow. these supposed moral giants Yikes. And, I to and, that. and 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 tell them how their efforts even though they're going to agree but they're going to look at them and say whoa, whoa 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 your writings are the antithesis of what we did yeah you can't have it both ways that's right and and, and and scripturally to contend with our founders they they would run circles around these guys
1: Yikes, yeah yeah he died, these, he died to make us holy. The least we can do is fight to make men free. There it is. And as Lincoln said, our country cannot continue permanently half slave and half and free. free. While the same party who dehumanized this, uh, an entire class of human beings and called them property today says about another class of human beings who find themselves in the property of women's bodies are simply property and can be treated in the same way that that party said blacks could be treated. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. That's and it. bad ideas tend to stay around for a long time until they're weeded out by Christians who understand natural rights and their source, and our duty to respond to the calling of our Savior, to enter the public square, the ecclesia, seek the good of the city, and start with your vote. Your allegiance to Christ. Yeah. Vote. It starts with your vote. It starts with you being responsible. For I love what Bill Federer said at Jack Hibbert's the other day. He said, "You know, we never kings would never come and sit into church services. Very rarely." but now they're packed out every church service. Why? Because we're the kings. We're the kings, we're the sovereign. as you've said, we can actually have an impact on the president, on those in power. We the people. We the people. And so if you have greater power, you have greater responsibility, right? Straight out of Spider-Man. So the very least you can do is act in such a way that stewards that power before God, stewards this incredible gift you've been given at the time you find yourself in human history. Start with your vote, start with your civic engagement and then move from there. But if you can't get that right, especially if you can't get the right to life right, then you're not gonna get any other right right. And as the
0: founders understood that that king needs a counselor and they gave us the pulpits to equip that king to rule wisely. And those pulpits are more concerned with their popularity yeah. than they are with the discipleship of truth. Yep. And they stand with this moral pietism and self-pride, this pride right. to justify how they're better. Yeah. We'll close with this. When Lincoln was shot on April 14th, 1865, died on the 15th on Good Friday, the great emancipator, the pulpits in America the underlying sermon theme is they decried the fact that Lincoln died in a theater on Good Friday. <laughs> there's wow. your Andy Stanley. There's right. your John Piper. There are yours who, who refuse to do what's right yeah. and scorn those who do. Right. And I never thought, as a pastor and a politician, I never thought my greatest challenge and detraction would be from pulpits in mm-hmm. America.
1: Why won't we do for good what the other side will do for evil? Yeah. To quote Rob McCoy. <laughs>
0: well,
1: I, if there's any quote from Rob McCoy, it's because he
0: took it from <laughs> someone else. I have never had an original <laughs> thought. Seth, thank you for for joining us. I Seriously, I, I know we've gone longer than we typically do on a live stream, <laughs> but this is so critical for the nation yeah, right now. And really. folks... It, there's, there's no reason to, to, you know, turn it off because we've gone so long, but we, 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 we can't be the microwave generation where you just want simple things and make it all go away. we got to go deeper. Hmm.
1: Yeah. These we're, are con- deep truths?
0: we're contending for culture and culture needs to be defined by studying the deeper truths and to know what the heart of the Lord is so that we can dispel the stupidity that, that, that. Pawns it or, or makes itself come off as being pious, and it's not. It's just, it's terrible. Yeah. So thanks for for staying tuned. Thank you for digging deeper with us. And Seth, thank you for joining us. And folks, um, we're going to close tonight with a blessing for you all out of number six. And so may this be an encouragement to you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So thanks for joining us and we will see you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody.